Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7 Sports, currently all of Locked On. Uh, so let's talk some old friend alerts at the top of the show today. Brad Hand signed with the Nationals. The Nationals, um, they've had some an interesting offseason, let's put it that way, because they're paying Brad Hand $10.5 million. Now, if they'd claimed him when the Indians released him, it would have cost them $10 million. So they're paying him more money than they could have had if they claimed him earlier. I went looking for deferrals to see if that was the case. Did not see any sign of that anywhere. The same situation happened kind of to a degree when uh, the Cubs uh, waived Kyle Schwarber. And instead of claiming him, um, the Nationals went out and signed him for more than his arbitration estimate. And, you know, I'd have to look and see if there were some deferrals involved with that. Uh, there was a second-year option that was at a lower rate um, than if he had, you know, if he had a breakout year, it would cost more than the uh that but he you know there hasn't been a sign of a breakout year coming with him and it was odd um because i mean i've been saying since the end of the year dh isn't coming and we'll talk about that more in a bit but this is a team that already traded for josh bell who is maybe the worst defensive first baseman in baseball then they go out and trade for kyle schwarber who probably should be a dh as well they had two dhs when they're in a league that has no dh this is like the if you've read moneyball you can go back and look at like the A's approach where defense doesn't matter. Just get as many bats out there as you can. Uh, apparently that's what the nationals are going to do. Let's talk about the DH. So uh, the owners floated to the players, this idea of, Hey, you can have universal DH and expanded playoffs. And to a lot of people, um, it seemed like a, uh, you know, a, a no lose, right. That the players should jump all over this more playoffs. You know, when you get in the playoffs, you have a chance for extra, you know, playoff shares, it means more money, and the DH means more money. Let's slow down, though. Uh, the DH does mean more money. That's 13 more teams that have to play, pay, I should say, uh, a starter. Now, not all of them are going to have to, and as much as, you know, I want to, like, take a dig at the Pirates who traded James Tayon this week uh, and how they're not paying anyone, they still have a higher payroll than the Indians who still have the lowest payroll in baseball. So some teams that are trying would, of course, have more money that they would invest because it's a whole other position they'd have to play. It's another starter that they would have to pay but there'd be a lot of teams who wouldn't so it is still kind of a minimal gain for the players it's not a huge addition uh expanding the playoffs would lead to a much lower player salary because another thing we have talked about or i should say i have talked about repeatedly on this show is that once you get in the playoffs it's a bit of a crapshoot uh you know the deepest the indians got was the year that the majority of their pitching staff got hurt. Uh, Ryan Merritt pitched that big Toronto game and then was basically never seen again. That uh, They had to dig to find starters. And of course, that's the year they almost win it all. The year they set the record for winning games in a row, uh, they lose in the first round. I know we can talk about the Astros who knocked them out and everything else. Or was No, that was the Yankees year where they lost. The Astros are a different season. So never mind. Yeah, I mean, they just lost. Uh but the playoffs teams know it's, you know, when the Washington Nationals won to go back to them, I don't think anyone thought they were the best team in baseball. So when you expand playoffs, you get more teams in it, it de-incentivizes spending. You're, you no longer have to be one of the top, what, five teams They expand eight and you're one of the top eight teams. You can aim to be a 500 team and have a good chance of making the playoffs. You don't have to spend anywhere near as much. I guarantee if we had expanded playoffs, you would see payroll shrink, not expand. Uh, and teams were not as aggressive. I mean, it was a weird year, so it's hard to guess anything that we can really take away from the 2020 trade deadline. 
but a lot of teams knew they could stand pat a little bit more or, you know, in, I mean, it worked out well for the Indians, but if there weren't expanded playoffs, I'm not sure they looked to trade Clevenger like they did and, and take back what they got where they didn't, they had an unproven bat. I mean, Naylor was fantastic in the playoffs, but he's still an unproven player and uh, a pitcher who had been largely a disappointment and a backup catcher. That was uh, for a guy who, when he was healthy, had been one of the top 10 pitchers in baseball. I mean, the central piece in that deal uh, was Arias, the shortstop. And, but that's more to the point that the most important piece in that trade was a guy who wasn't going to help them this year and unlikely to help them the next year, but they could make that trade because expanded playoffs, they were more or less guaranteed to shot in just based on where they were at the time. So there's the good and bad of it, but I am not surprised, nor should anyone else. It's a bad offer for the players. Expanded playoffs is not good for players. Uh, DH is good for players, but it's not that big of an increase because it's maybe five or six teams and max you're going to say what nine teams that are trying to get in the playoffs every year who might actually spend on that position. And of those nine, I guarantee there's just young players who could, you know, slot into spots. Like if you're Atlanta, Drew Waiters could be the guy they slot in. Who's a, a rookie instead of investing in, uh, you know, someone who's a free agent I, and they could always go for bringing back more Salazuna again. But uh, there's a lot of teams who would just go for the cheaper alternative. So it's not that helpful with, you know, this show occurring and the Indians. Let's let's, you know, if we talk about the Indians offseason, there was the 40 man additions. There was the releasing of players tied to the 40 man additions. There was the rule five draft. I still like Trevor Steffian. I still think he's a guy that people keep forgetting about when you talk about the Indians bullpen. Uh, but I think he's someone that you have to consider, have to talk about. But in addition to that, uh, there's the Lindor trade, and then there hasn't been anything else. We'll see uh, what's going on, but when you you haven't had too much to talk about, uh, I kind of reached out to the fans of the show to hear what they wanted me to talk about. Uh, not quite a mailbag, more of like a, hey, what, uh, what should I talk about on the show? And... You know, I got uh, what outfield prospect should make the opening day roster. Uh, should I, I know a lot of people think Nolan Jones should already be on the roster. He is he's going to help this year. And I would have liked to have seen him maybe get a look last year. But he's got to learn outfield at this point because that's where he's going to end up. And he really has not played that. Uh, he can't hit lefties at all. He's strictly a platoon bat. And there's still a lot of swing and miss to his game. It's a profile that could get eaten alive in the majors. Now, I believe in the walk rate. I believe in the power. I think he's going to be a very good major league player, but you can't really fault them for Nolan Jones not being in the majors. You could fault for Daniel Johnson not getting a look. You could fault. And when they were throw, you know, running out some of the guys that ran out last year, like Delano Shields, uh, I'd rather have had just seen what Kai A. Tom can do, if I'm being honest. So there's some of those guys in terms of outfield prospects. I mean, this team doesn't have any. Uh, there's Daniel Johnson, and I don't think they're going to mess with his service time because he's already 26. He's not at an age where you're going to worry about getting an extra year at the back end of that. Uh, in the upper minors, your outfield, pro- I mean, the outfield prospects for this team, George Valera is far and away the number one. He's in the lower minors, uh, unless you count Nolan Jones, who will eventually, I think, be an outfield prospect. And then your next two guys are probably uh, Petey Halpin and Isaiah Green, Green, who they got in the trade with the Mets. Uh, both Halpin and Green were draft picks this past year, high school kids. So I don't think there really are those outfield prospects coming. Um, 
someone asked me when they when they'll win the World Series, to which I just declined, uh, maybe a little more snarkily. But uh, you know, the King Harris here asked me, "How can they be good at developing infielders, uh, especially among international prospects, but fail so much with domestic high school talent?" Uh, per my recent tweet about the second round, if you missed my comment from last Friday's show, the Indians are currently over. It's either 21 or 27 in terms of uh, high school players drafted in the second round uh, of their last that they've in the 50 plus year history of the draft. They have had one high school player that they managed to draft and sign Mark Ballinger, who was in the 60s, uh, who played 18 games in the majors. That's it. And they have spent a lot of picks on second round high schoolers. But one guy has made the majors. Now, Nolan Jones. And Ty Freeman look like they will break that bad luck. Um, both of them seem darn near locks to at least get in the majors. It would take something significant, I think, for either of them to fail to get there. But yeah, that's been their track record. If you had missed that, um, when I, you know, if you listen to last Wednesday's show here on WKYC, I talked about that uh, the second round in general, Albert Bell being the greatest pick in the history of the second round. And then on Friday, I talked about how Dylan Howard was the worst pick in the history of the first round because he's the only player who failed to get out of uh, the developmental league three years with the team um, and never made it to short season, which no one else had. So those were your your best and worst. I don't know why they've had that bad luck. The second round's just been a bit jinxed. Uh, Nolan Jones question, I you know. Perfect platoon bat. Let's put it that way. I, I don't know if he's ever going to kill left hit lefties enough, um, but I think he's the walk and home runs are there. And then uh, this is a really good question that kind of drove me for the rest of the show here today. Nathan Kingsley at NT Kingsley. Thoughts on signing a closer to limit the long-term arbitration prices of our young relievers while allowing us to deploy them more meaningfully with higher leverage uh, innings. And then mentions Mark, uh, I can never say his name right, uh, Mark Melancic, right? It, it looks like uh, Melancon, but it's Melancic. Um, and Melancic is a, an interesting call. My one concern would be his walk rate plummeted last year. But I think uh, Nathan here is definitely onto something. Saves cost money in arbitration. They cost a lot. And the Indians aren't going to necessarily, if you put Karen Chalk or you put... Um, Class A back there, who profile is probably their best two relievers for next year for high leverage use, or even someone like Nick Whitgren, who's already into arbitration, it's going to cause all of their prices to shoot right up. Now, they did put Cody Allen back there when he was, I mean, Cody Allen is the greatest reliever the system has produced, and that's not even close. When you look at the history of the Indians and like guys they have drafted and or signed and developed uh, for a long time, the fifth highest rated player in terms of war of any reliever drafted or signed and developed by the Indians was David Risky, who I mean, he had an okay career, but it's nothing that stood out. And this is a team that uh, one year when they had the second overall pick in that entire draft drafted Paul Shuey, who was a reliever out of UNC. Uh, you don't see that a lot, taking a reliever with the second pick in the entire draft. He was not a starter. He had been always a reliever. And, and Shuey is like second or third all time in war amongst any reliever in Indians history. So it wasn't Far and away, that's not anywhere near their worst draft pick. Uh, frankly, during the Hart era, that's might be his number two first rounder uh, in terms of value and production. That's a, a different story to dive into. But overall, uh, I think this stands out because when we've, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've talked about they're likely going to sign uh, 
a second baseman so they can then put Jimenez in AAA and delay his service time. And Nolan Jones isn't going to come up till midseason because of service time. So if you're trying to mess with service time, make it work with money, saves is what makes relievers expensive. And by having someone else come in and get the saves, you then keep down the overall price. And I have some names here. Uh, I do have Melentic uh, on the list. I'll talk about some other guys that I think are more interesting. Not necessarily better, but some people to talk about, some people to know. I dove through the entire free agency list. I even pulled out, uh, you know, talk outfield because that always comes up as well. But uh, we'll get into all that after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, I am not the most car savvy person. I am not someone who really knows how to do much with this car. But in spite of my lack of knowledge, I find the Rock Auto site easy to navigate, easy to go to. It is a family owned business. Uh, they have one central location. They keep their costs down. Low overhead means good prices for you. So when you need a part or piece for your car, you should always visit rockauto.com. And when you go to Rock Auto, check it out. Uh, make sure to say in the How'd You Hear About Us box, go there and say Locked On, Locked On Indians, Locked On MLB, any form of Locked On. That's what matters. That's what lets them know, hey, I heard about you thanks to the Locked On Network. And you're going to want to go there because this is something you can use to advocate for yourself to make sure you're getting good prices on your car on the parts and pieces for your car. I was able to, again, with my complete lack of knowledge, go and find my car and <laughs> find a bunch of information. I, you know, I didn't even know about my car. So it, it's a great tool. It's a great resource. And when you do shop at Rock Auto, again, in the how'd you hear about us? Locked on, locked on MLB, locked on again, some form of locked on. Other fantastic sponsor is Built Bar. Uh, I had Built Bar for Breakfast with a banana. I did the uh, my candy cane fudge I talked about that I ordered around the holidays. And then for lunch, I end up getting about 20 minutes at school most days. So I had um, their strawberry flavor that I had gotten um, back in October, November, uh, as well as I think coconut was the other one. And I just, I get sick of things very quickly. I cannot do the same food, but I'm not sick of Bilt Bar. It did help that they did this fantastic rebrand over the summer and their flavors got even better and the whole product got better. But I mean, I love everything there. After I finished my morning coffee, I switched to the Built Bar Boost. I was doing the uh, the pineapple apricot. That was my drink for the rest of the day. Uh, I, like I said, it was my breakfast, it was my lunch, and then it was my post-coffee drink. I am all in on Built Bar. You should be too. When you go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code locked on. That is the promo code I personally use when I buy it's a product I love. I just do. I think it's great. I use it all the time. Go to builtbar.com. Get a protein, the best tasting protein bar you're going to find. Gluten-free, which is something that I find very beneficial. But the boost is great. I'm very curious to try the broth. Everything there is good. You're not going to go wrong. Builtbar.com, promo code locked on. So let's talk free agency. Uh, in general, the outfield group is not good. Let's just be honest amongst that. The top of it is is fine, but when you're diving through who's out there, it's, you know, after you get through those top names, the middle class is not there. That's why Detroit was, in my opinion, very smart to go out and get uh, Robbie Grossman for two years, $10 million. $5 million a year for a guy who's been league average pretty consistently is a good value at this point in time. I also think Texas getting David Dahl for, was it like, I can't even remember. It was less than $5 million for a year. I want to say it was only like $3 million was fantastic. Uh, Hunter Renfro signed a pretty cheap deal to go to 
Boston. Like those are smart deals at the start. Now, I mean, I know a lot of people talk about Jock Peterson. I think he could end up getting a little pricey. I know he had a down year, but there's a lot of teams that could use him and he can actually play the outfield. Unlike some of the other names on these lists, like Eddie Rosario. Um, I wouldn't be upset if the Indians settled for an Adam Duvall, uh, Brian Goodwin. Those are the guys that I kind of liked from the secondary tiers for the Indians. Uh, but yeah, the outfield market is pretty terrible, but in terms of the relief market, so, you know, what got us started on this was Mark Malensic. And I mean, you got to give this guy credit 12 years in the league. Now his fit for his career fielding independent ERA. If you're not familiar with it, it kind of gets rid of everything and allows you, it's the best indicator of future pitcher success is basically what it comes down to. It just shows how well someone's performing, uh, through his career. It's a 290. last year was a 372. The issue with him, 2020 is weird though. So let's just be honest with that. We don't really know. Uh, strikeout rate dropped to 5.6 per nine and you know, he was 35. So there is natural age regression. So that's my concern about going out and getting someone like uh Melancic is that we did see that drop at a 5.6. If you want to go for upside, I think the reliever to look at is, uh, Kayoni Kalea. Now there has been some off the field issues with him and there has been health issues with him. But man, when he is healthy over his six-year career, 71 game, no, 231 games, uh, 71 games finished, 11 strikeouts per nine, 3.4 walk per nine, one home run per nine, 6.6 hits per nine. I mean, the walk rate's a little high, but it's totally within the acceptable range. The strikeout rate's fantastic. The home run rate is in the acceptable range as well, especially for a guy who pitched in Texas for half of his career. He's been really good when he can stay healthy and when his head is on straight, you know, when you have a manager like Terry Francona, part of the advantage should be able to, uh, you know, reach someone who can be a little, it's never been, as far as I recall, never been anything too big with him. It's been small issues here and there in terms of, like I said, just ceiling. He is the reliever. Cause you know, they're not going to sign Alex Colome. They're not going to go out and get, uh, you know, the other names here near the top of the list. Roberto Asuna, thank goodness they're not going to get him. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about some other guys that, you know, are also interesting. But, you know, Ye- Yates and Hand and Archie Bradley, these guys are already off. Uh, but I think when you're looking at that guy, I think Kalea is, one could argue, has the highest ceiling of any relief pitcher currently left on the market. Briefly, let's see if this will close and not lose everything. I also wanted to mention Ken Giles. Now, he had Tommy John surgery. He's probably not going to pitch next year. If he does, it's going to be the very end of the year. But when healthy, I know he's bounced around because of trouble with consistency. But once he got to Toronto, Ken Giles was one of the best relievers in baseball. If you can get him on some kind of two-year bridge deal at a decent price uh, for a team, he's going to help massively in 2022. So I, I don't know if the Indians have never been the team to do that type of deal in recent years so i don't think they would but ken giles is i think whatever team gets him to like a two-year deal is getting a massive massive value if you again you know you're looking for someone who could close out games or has experience steve chizik was pretty bad in 2020 but you can throw that off as is a weird year uh he was very hittable all the other rate data was about the same for his career 
Um, but you know, in 2019, he was not as strong as he had been before that he had been pretty consistently a strong arm with good strikeout rates, low walk and low home run rates. Uh, again, depending on cost and coming off a bad year and a weird year, he's, you know, at least he's someone who's been out there at the back end of games, uh, a name to consider. And then here are the kind of final four that stood out for me. Let's talk Jose Alvarez, most known for the worst video you'll see in 2020. Um, 105 mile an hour fastball right into the junk or not fastball, but hit ball. Uh, so he only pitched six innings this year, partially because of that. Uh, he has been with Detroit, with the Angels, and he was with Philly, a lefty, which the Indians do need. I mean, they don't really right now have a natural replacement for uh, Oliver Perez. Not a loogie, though, a guy who's been like up in the 50s and 60s of innings as a left hander. I don't He's. Never really been a closer, so I don't know if he's someone you consider for that role. But just a name to know, a left-handed pitcher who has been surprisingly, for a guy who's bounced around a bit, efficient. Um, you know, FIP for his career is a 372. He's going to be, what, 32? So not the ideal age, but team could use a lefty. He's been an effective lefty. And again, he missed last year because of an injury no one should have. Um, going to want to save. Mm, let's go here. I definitely have a two that are the last two to talk about uh, for the show today when we're talking about relief arms to look at. Justin Wilson is uh, the next guy up. I don't know if, he was, if he'd be in the Indians price range or not, because Justin Wilson is probably better than you think. Uh, his FIP last year was a 304, 10 strikeouts per nine, 4.1 walk per nine, 0.5 home run per nine. And he's been pretty consistently around 10 strikeouts per nine with a four walk rate. Another left-hander was with the Mets these past two years. Does have some experience as a closer, not a ton, but was a closer with Detroit before they traded him to the Cubs. And I believe that's the deal that netted them uh, Candelario. I think as a guy who could save some games and be a lefty, there's some value there. Uh, I think he's probably better than most of the other guys we've talked about. Now he is already 33 years of age, will turn 34 during the season. And because he's been a left-hander who's been productive for a few years in a row, I think he could end up pricing out of the Indians' range. So let's discuss the last two guys. I'll save the local player for last. I think giving that hint away, uh, somebody can figure out. Let's talk Yusumero uh, Pettit. Now, you may not know the name, and he is one of the older players on this list, already 36 years of age, but my goodness, has he been a rock, uh, specifically for Oakland for the last four years, and even in the, or three years with Oakland and the Angels the year before that, 83 innings, 93 innings, 91 innings, uh, now he, only one start during all of those times, walk rate consistently right about two, if not under two, uh, strikeout rate about seven home run rate over one, but the FIP during that time has been under four and he's just ironed arm and you can throw him out there and he's been productive. Uh, age is the issue and the concern. Uh, if you want old school stats, how about this for ERA 276, three, even 271, 166 in 2019, he appeared in 80 games leading the league. I feel like Tito would love to have him and just one of those things when you're looking at consistency, he's been that now his FIP was over four, which makes him 
last year a little more uh, not projecting as well as maybe a few other players I've talked about already. But overall, I think he's an interesting player to look at, someone to consider, someone who could be a little bit cheaper uh, just due to age. And then the last player to talk about, uh, I think is the perfect time to acquire someone like him is now. And that's Andrew Chafin. Uh, he is was a first-round pick out of Kent State, went to Western Reserve High School in Ohio, and last year had a negative war over nine innings pitched. Before that, you look at Chafin's numbers in Arizona, and his worst FIP previous to this year, a very odd year, was a 3.63 as a rookie. After that, it was a 3.39. Always ten, over 10 strikeouts, you know, in I shouldn't say always. Through his career at for most of seasons, he's at over 10 strikeouts per nine. Walk rate is over his career under four. Home run rate of 0.6, which is really quite strong compared to a lot of the relievers we talked about. And he, while he has never closed, I mean, he's been a guy with over 50 innings three times, four times in his career. Uh, one of those guys that Arizona just counted on and relied on. And he had a bad 2020 and a lot of guys too, but he's still out there. He'll turn 31 in June, former first round pick. So you've got that pedigree left-handed, uh, from Kettering, Ohio originally. So born in Dayton area up in Collins at Western reserve high school, went to Kent, high ties lefty coming off a down season, Perfect time to add him. And you had him on a decent contract. You let him close. If you can get him for like a two, three-year deal, then, you know, for him, when it's done, he's entering his mid-30s where he could still get a contract. Look at Brian Shaw. And if he has that experience as a closer, that's just going to help his value go up as a left-handed reliever. And for the Indians, then they can keep those younger arms in a high-leverage situation, which helps. They can just bring them out as needed, and it's going to keep overall costs down. So if the Indians are looking to spend four to five million, I have no idea what Chafin would cost, but I think he should be a primary target for the Cleveland Indians. And I think you let him close and you look at the 2020 numbers that are hurting his value right now and ignore them because this 2020 season was incredibly odd uh, in general across the board. And let's be honest, it never hurts to bring an Ohio kid home. I'm trying to think, has there been someone since Joe Smith um, when they traded for and then traded for him the first time and then traded for him a second time. I can't really think of anyone too recently. Uh, but I mean, I still see so many people who call for Derek Dietrich to be brought in just because he was an Ignatius kid. Um, and fun fact with Derek Dietrich, his grandfather was the return in the Norm Cash deal, which was ended up being one of the worst trades in Indians history. And they sent him to the uh, Tigers. So just random Derek Dietrich fact. But yeah, no, I Chafin, to me, it's a if you have five to ten million to spend, which is by all accounts what they do, and having read that Terry Pluto piece this week, it feels like there's Wong, there's uh, Swoop, ah, why can't I not his name? There's uh, Swoop, and there's um, Cesar Hernandez, and the Indians are going to see which one will sign for the least and probably sign one of those three. And if they can get one of those guys for four million, like they would wish, according to that article, if you can still spend another four, five, and maybe get Chafin at something like three years, sixteen million, or something like that, I'm I'm all for that. Um, 
And hey, if the Indians can spend about $9 million, they'll move out of the lowest payroll in baseball, which is just one of those things that honestly they they need to do to not look bad uh, as a team that has made the postseason as many times in a row as they have. Uh, having the lowest payroll in baseball is not going to be the best look to start the year. That's just you know the truth of it. They're not a team that's rebuilding, which is who we typically see down there in those spots. So tell me what you think. Uh, which reliever should they go for? Again, they're not. You know, Trevor Rosenthal was someone that I think, yeah, he'd be great. He had a fantastic year. They're not getting Rosenthal. He's going to be too expensive. You know, uh, Colome, who was the White Sox closer. Yeah, they got a new closer since they signed Liam Hendricks. We're not signing him. You have to look further down the line. So is there someone else I should have talked about? Is there a, a relief pitcher further down the line I missed on? Is there an outfielder further down the line I missed on? Uh, let me know. The college baseball season is right around the corner. I have started writing again. Um, I'm working on Mach 2.0. Everything should line up. So for next week's show, I'm going to, starting Friday, release these the draft picks. Uh, for those who uh, haven't been and seen my site. And through that, uh, I should line up. So next Wednesday, we'll talk about the Indians pick, who I have as my you know preseason pick to the Indians. Unfortunately, the player I mocked to the Indians is kind of a sleeper player, uh, has officially uh, woken. I don't know how we want to say it. He's a helium guy. He's moving up boards. Cleo Watson will not be there for the Indians, more than likely looks when the draft arises. Draft rises when the draft occurs, I should say. But uh, I'll give you some more names to know, uh, including, you know, talking about an Ohio kid who's going to go in the first round, it looks like, in this year's draft. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. Uh, tell me what else you want to hear on the show. Tell me what uh, what other historical, current, anything you think I should dive into next. Uh, or tell me who you want me to try to get on next as a guest. We'll get back to guests very soon. Again, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. There is going to be a lot more of that MLB draft very soon. And at least for the next year, go Tribe! <laughs>